Welcome to Why the Long Face, two old friends lifting the lid on mental health over a beer with author and psychiatrist Paul Keedwell and business consultant and so-called comedian Ollie Turnbull. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Why the Long Face with me, Oliver Turnbull, and Dr. Paul Keedwell. And uh, during season four, uh, we've been looking at our friend um, Ash uh, and the conversations that he's been having with his um, life coach, Pete. Uh, Ash, as he will tell you, is was diagnosed with bipolar. And we've been looking at some of the recordings he's made with Pete to go uh, through his journey in some detail and the lows and highs of uh, an particularly important tense period of his life and there's been some really brilliant insights made by uh, paul um as a result of that so paul are you ready for the trigger yeah um i i wouldn't like to say brilliant about my insights i hope they're kind of (laughs) (laughs) above average (laughs) yes exactly vaguely useful but um okay so i'm very much looking forward to listening to this clip because i think this is where ashley's mood is clearly starting to change but we can we can we can uh, discuss that um, yeah. afterwards yeah ash is going to join us after we've played the clip so uh, let, let's put it on so you can have a listen so this is the trigger for the high hi my name's ashley for the last 12 years i've said i used to have bipolar hi my name's peter i'm a life coach and i support awesome humans like ashley oh thank you Pete. and uh, right we're now up to episode four so this audio note is the first of march the gaps are getting smaller between our audio notes we're playing. What's going on in this one? Yeah, so I think this is probably the trigger for the high. So in the last audio note, in the last episode, I mentioned that there was a deadline coming up, that there was this Vodafone competition we'd won. So we were rushing to get the website ready to go for Vodafone to spend some money pushing people, promoting us with Facebook ads to come to the site. So we'd worked up to this deadline to have something that was good enough, not perfect, but would would show off what we were wanting to sell to get people to do this personality assessment thing to collect some emails to start building customers. And, well, we'll hear it in the audio note, but it turned out that that deadline wasn't quite what I thought it was. But to achieve it... Um, in the end, I had to just work ridiculous hours. Right. The weekend was coming up, and I remember I I needed a break. Yeah. I remember even saying to Jess, I just need to take this weekend off. And then she said, no, we've got to have this stuff ready for, I can't remember what it was, Tuesday or whatever. And so I worked through the night for two, three days, completely exhausted myself. And... Yeah, that's what I remember about it. I can't, I can't actually remember exactly what's in this one, but let's have a listen, I think. Great. Let's dive in. So just on my dog walk, um, which I'm very grateful to be doing this morning. Yesterday and the last few days have been a bit crazy because uh, I was working to this Vodafone deadline um, to launch our MVP of Doorstep Gardener. And then it transpired that uh, the date had been delayed. So the... The I didn't need to work quite so full on, um, which, uh, um, how did I feel? I felt a little bit, I really pushed myself. I didn't go for walks, I didn't stop, I didn't balance myself. So that felt a bit annoying. But being positive, it has given us a, a very 
tight deadline and we've risen to the occasion as a team and we're in a really really good state uh, to launch so I feel really we're going to be an amazing place for launching with Vodafone and then we can do some more pushing of it um, to uh, out to friends family etc to test everything before we start really pushing um, so I'm feeling uh, very positive this morning I'm feeling calm after the storm in a way calm after busy calm after being tired and a bit pushed and generally broader I'm excited about stuff I'm not worried but I have got the sort of thought in my head that right we've done this all we need to start selling now um, will that happen I believe strongly it will but we don't know how it will happen or how long it will take to happen because it's quite a considered purchase when we're asking people to spend a thousand pounds so I don't think it's going to be quite the same as the launch of Lockdown Gardener and how crazy that went um, yeah but I remain positive that with a bit of hustling it might require us to to research and find people and get them on the phone and get things over the line that way but yeah I think it's going to work I feel really good about that meanwhile um, making progress with the relationship with Nick to so the main thing here that I tune into is this deadline shifted and do I sense a sense of deflation almost as you come in, as you came out of that intense work period can you tell me more about that yeah, it's a frustration that I know I've pushed myself too much. Mm. And although at this point, there's been other points in the audio notes where I mentioned bipolar, I don't call it out by name here, but the point I'm making about I haven't balanced myself, I haven't gone on dog walks, I haven't been exercising. I remember that weekend, I remember saying to Justine, I need a break. And then this deadline came up, which I wasn't expecting, and that turned out to be not a deadline. So I was pretty angry and annoyed because I realised that I was already, as we heard in the last episode, not switching off, not yeah. sleeping enough. Yeah. But I was working very hard to keep calm and still be exercising, even though I forgot in the last episode to say that I had a shoulder injury. So that was the other thing that happened. I played tennis, but I couldn't play tennis because of the shoulder injury. Which happened from the ski but From the holiday. ski holiday. Right, right. So yeah, stuff happens. That's why I stopped exercising as much. But anyway, I was trying to, and here was this very short, sustained period where I'd crossed the line, I think. And, and during this intense work burst leading up to the uh, soft deadline, um, were you still going for walks and finding the balance within that period? No, this was no, like... went out the window. Through the weekend, from early in the morning through the night, like ridiculous hours. Right, right, Just to right. completely... I think we had plans that weekend and we just cancelled everything and it was yep, just... Just hunkered down. Which I'm very happy to do, right? I mean... I'm currently speaking to people about new roles. I'm prepared yeah. to work hard. Yeah. I, I like a deadline. Right. But this was, this was crazy. This was fit, not just working on messaging and stuff, like working on the very structure of what the business was and that the website worked. And yeah. it was a whole lot. It wasn't just one bit of work I had to do. It no. was right. a huge breadth of work. Yeah. Yep. Pulling on different bits of my brain from designing things to how stuff is messaged and and also. Uh, because I'm working with my wife, 
you know, when we're meant to be having a break as a couple on the weekend, mm. the intensity of that in my home environment as well. Right. Yeah. Always on. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah. So you've worked on launching the business, the deadline move, but ultimately you were aiming on launching, you know, and as we know now, post analysis, this was also the launch of a crash. You know, this was really ramping up to the top of the mania phase, if I understand. Yep. So tell us more about that. Yeah, so when I listen to myself here, there's still this reflectiveness, this positivity. So maybe to people listening to this, you know, this is someone who's going into a high. I listen to myself and I still sound fairly logical at this point. By hearing what I'm saying that I am being positive about, right, we're launching. And I'm aware that it's quite possible this couldn't work or might not work or will work. There's nothing certain. But I'm moving forward with that with positivity, which I think is me trying to balance myself again. But where that inevitably leads to is we are at the beginning of March. The plant season is the end of March. And we've got this fundraising deadline, which is the end of March. So now I've actually got to prove it. And so what happened past this point, and I hinted it in what I'm saying, is I say with a bit of hustling, um, with hard work, we can make it work. Even if it doesn't work, we can tweak it and make it work. Mm -hmm. And a bit like the audio note in December, where there's this moment I reflect on it and then i back in the ring again. Yeah. That's basically what's about to happen here. Right. And, you know, basically four weeks. In four weeks, I'm going to have raised this money because we'd won a competition to be introduced to a number of funds, I think, at this point. Mm -hmm. And I'd been given an opportunity to go and pitch in London, um, I think, just a couple of weeks later. Mm -hmm. And... The Vodafone campaign goes out. Lots of people come to our website. There's lots of interest. People do the personality assessment, but they're not going all the way through to speaking to us. Okay. And I think I implicitly knew, and I still believe now, that the concept was well-researched. I think there are millions of people who have a garden who don't know what to do with it. And with the right structure, the right expertise, the right framework of a business, I believe very strongly still that it could be a real goer. Yep. The challenge is that we were asking people to spend a lot of money on something and their, their buying journey is quite complicated. And so the idea that based on a, on a minimum thing that we built very simply on a Squarespace website, effectively, that they would go from, oh, that sounds great to buying, mm. I always thought was hugely unlikely. What was the price point, just out of interest? Yeah, so when we first set up Lockdown Gardener, it was 50 quid okay. trays of plants. Right. Now this is like £1,000 plus. Right, so the second version of the business. Yeah, it's a yeah. much more considered thing, and that's when I'm saying we don't know how long it will take. You know, does someone hear about our service and buy next year? Yeah. But this is a self-financed enterprise. We've already ploughed yep. quite a bit of money into it, yep. and we can't we can't plough lots and lots and lots of money. We need support to do that. Yeah, right. yeah, great. So, yeah, I'm probably subliminally or with hindsight realizing that I'm not going to be able to work with the people 
who have expertise to build up our SEO and our email database. And I've got a whole content strategy, but I can't do it without money. Mm. And this deadline's looming. So time is just compressing. Yeah, right. So with hindsight, I've used that word a few times, this, I think, is the trigger because it pushes me over the edge into doing everything I possibly can to prove and achieve what I need to achieve in four weeks. Right, yep. So there you go. Um, again, interesting. I love uh, Pete's interventions as well. Uh, they all seem very helpful, very calm and very reassuring to Ash, which is, I'm sure, what he needed at that stage. So we'll do what we usually do. Uh, Paul, what, as a clinician, do you, do you feel is going on here? I know we know Ash pretty well, but um, if you divorce yourself from that, what, what are you feeling about what's happening to him? Yeah, well, what struck me in episode three was, although there were some hints that Ash might already be sort of going into a hypomanic or mild mania type um, state, the brain not switching off, needing less sleep, you know, the speech was sort of just like Ash always talks. But I did notice in this episode or this clip um, that I straight away I noticed that your rate of speech had increased only marginally, but you were talking faster. And I just thought you're more, there was more, the speech was more sort of affirmative, if you like, um, and more expressive in a way, you know, tonally, bit more variation, bit more rhythm. Uh, so that was the first thing. So not what you were saying, but, you know, the, the, what, the way you were saying it. Um, but then the con- What do you mean by affirmative? Sorry, Paul, to cut in. <sighs> what do you mean by affirmative? Uh, more confident, more strident, perhaps, you know. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'd love to think of a better word, uh, but it escapes me at the moment. But and then, and then the content of what you're saying is very positive, I think, isn't it? It's um, you're you are um, you know very future focused. Um, you, you're kind of pleased with the progress you've made. Um, Pete's intervention very interesting because he's got to know you and has been with you through this whole journey I didn't quite sense the sense of deflation that he was talking about I did think that you were frustrated to a degree because you were a bit angry about the fact that you'd put yourself through um uh, more stress than perhaps you'd needed to because they the Vodaf- the, uh, with the Vodafone contract because they'd shifted the, the deadline. So you'd worked really hard to meet this deadline and they said, oh, actually, we don't need it <laughs> right now. And perhaps that had not helped with the high. And just one thing about um, not taking time for breaks, that that's when I wrote down the chicken and egg, you know. Um, pra- perhaps, you know, in in because you were trying to use your meditation techniques, but it was very hard for you by this stage, you know, and I think, so it's whether the the the, the, the heavy workload, the taking on all this work um, was a reflection of your mild mania or whether it was just the case that you had uh, to plough on without breaks, you know. It's interesting when I reflect on these points with Pete and also talking to you now based on where I'm sitting today uh, because at the moment my life 
is quite sort of calm and reflective. I've been looking at job roles. Things are ticking over with the gardening business, but the gardening season is basically done. And there's just not a, a lot of pace to my life. And I remember at this point, this was like, it felt like a, what's the word? Like a, a sort of war spirit. Like everything had to be done at such a pace. And in reality, it didn't. But within my own head, it was like, mm. we've got to fight, we've got to keep going, we've got to kind of, mm. we're in the trenches. We, everything was kind of risen up and over-significant. And I, I realised now, talking to my wife, who we mentioned in the previous episode, is one of the other partners in this business, I remember her being massively, feeling to me like she was massively disengaged with things. But she was probably just being completely normal about it. Mm. And to me, I was frustrated because no one else was working. I remember saying to her once, like, you're not working as hard as me and being really irritated about it. I mean, we, we, obviously, we're listening to these audio notes of what I think about the situation in the recordings. And, and the recordings with Pete are done, you know, in the last couple of weeks. So after the event. Yeah. But one thing we should fill in is I was being a complete pain in the arse at this point. Right. I was irritable. I was, mm. I, I would sort of pick a fight easily. I would have a go about things easily. I would be charming to one person and then, and then not very nice to Justine. Mm. Um, was she making any observations? Was she saying, um, was, she, was she making any observations about your behaviour other than you're being a pain in the arse husband? Was she saying, you know, do, do you think this might be part of uh, an episode where you're having a high or did she just, was she just pissed off with you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it had been 12 years since anything had happened. It felt like I'd figured out the magic formula because so many things had happened in those 12 years that should have, in brackets, triggered or could have triggered this. I mean, when we adopted our son and my business pretty much went under at that point, like really stressful things that hadn't triggered an episode. So, But do you think that she knew at this point that you were going through a kind of up a high? No. A lot of people don't um, don't pick up on on irritability as a sign of of mania, and it is. You know, it's it's a well known um, feature of hypermania or mania is irritability because people are not always elated; they they're, yeah. they're commonly irritable, and it's and it's sort of fueled by this fact that your brain is going much faster than everybody else's you know so why aren't why aren't she keeping yes. up with me you know <laughs> why why, why yeah. you know why, why do i have to finish your sentences for you you know why am i taking yeah. over you uh, <laughs> talking was, over you there you was know? there was around around this time i got annoyed about our other partner because he wasn't putting in the hours that we were mm. but the reality is those hours i was putting in were my decision it wasn't what was necessary it's what I was capable of doing and of course yeah yeah that, because, that was frustrating that people weren't keeping yeah because you had way up. more energy than the normal person the average person yes and needed less sleep I and mean, that's a yeah. classic feature you know sort of okay I'm down to sort of four hours sleep a night but I still have loads of energy I mean that's not uh the state of of a sort of what we call euthymic person who's not not high not not low um, yeah, the, the point you make about irritability is interesting because when I reflect on it, when I had bipolar, when I was diagnosed in my 20s and up until when I got on top of it, um, Justine and I were dating and then we were living together um, 
so I think this point about irritability, we, we realised after this latest episode that no, she didn't realise that was a trigger and that that was indicating something. So another one for the scrapbook of insights as to my state of mind. Um, I think now if that happened again, she she would she would have more of an awareness of that. Yeah, I, that's right. And I think I think the fact, yeah, as you say, you hadn't had an episode for quite a long time. And this time as well, it was sort of possibly modified by the medication, stop you going too high to the point where it became more obvious. You know, I, I remember in the old days when you had a, um, a high, it was obvious to Justine that you were high because you were talking, um, you were much more disinhibited with strangers. You're talking to strangers on the train and sort of talking in monologues, you know, um, you know and that was a sort of much more obviously abnormal but in this case it was sort of it was hard to disentangle from the fact that you had this deadline and you know you you, you yeah everyone has to work hard for deadlines but in this case it, it just went a bit too far and it was it's like Pete said in the previous clip in episode three where is the line that's sustainable where you're nurturing yourself as well as doing the job I mean that's essentially what we're talking about here the fact you took no breaks was because you were as if driven by a motor you know the motor of mania it's saying it really goes back to one of the themes that's running through this is what is helpful and what is not helpful uh, and um, some of the things in a high are not helpful because they exhaust you and <laughs> annoy those around you and some things in the low are paradoxically useful and is there something that the brain is telling you in these in these periods that you should take account of the other thing i would point out from the recording is how positive you were sounding you sounded even less tired than you had in the um, previous episode as far as I could work out from the can't switch off so it looks as if something was triggered in you that made you almost um, superhuman I would say but yeah like Pete says there is a, a balance to be drawn between using your superhuman powers and then realizing that it's getting a bit too much maybe yeah I mean the, the point I was going to make yeah I, I think that's I think that's very true is, is this talking to you guys is making ref, me reflect on the micro details and the macro details so we're talking about these subtle shifts and exactly how I'm feeling at this point. You've got to remember contextually, and this will be the case across the country, I mean, I'm abroad, but across the UK, that these are extraordinary times, right? We've just gone through COVID. I mean, I was surprised that COVID didn't trigger something in me, but it did trigger me starting a new business, which was very exciting and dynamic. So I think for my wife, she was excited about this. Right, I'd kind of figured out this idea around using technology and artificial intelligence and I'd got, there were a lot of indicators around that this wasn't a bad idea by getting onto courses and winning competitions. There was a lot of kind of, uh, that was giving me kind of credibility in a way. And so I think Justine was excited that I had energy to pursue something with a, with a vigor to make it successful. And bearing in mind as a family, she wasn't working and money was tight. Um, I think she was prepared to put up with quite a lot. I think, yeah, because I, 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 I think in earlier episodes, um, you were saying, I remember there's a, a telling line about you You went home for Christmas. So you went, you went to Justine's parents and there was this sort of, feeling that you needed to succeed that you felt that they had expectations of you 
Uh, and so it wasn't really relaxing, you know, because you already felt a lot of pressure on yourself as, you know, someone who should be the provider in the family, you know, um, and desperate to make a, a kind of financial success of your creativity, um, which you used to sort of do just for, for, for its own sake, because it was fulfilling. But now you had these um, added added pressures. Yeah, it feels like the last couple of years have been much more explorative for me. And maybe that's an interesting point. As a human being, I think I've needed to go through that to figure out my place in the world. And similarly, my boat polo was kicked off in my early 20s when I was trying to find my place in the world. So maybe there's something about these periods of transition where it's just inevitable that we go through change and things happen. And that's going to leave us more vulnerable to uh, to to incidents like this. One, one comment I will make, which uh, one insight, is that there isn't always a clear single trigger for an episode. I mean, there probably is in this case, but often it's a build-up of pressure, you know, and then eventually you reach reach a point where you pass your elastic limit, if you like, you know. You, you sort of you're springing back from stresses but then at some point they accumulate to the point where you tip over into an illness or an episode and if you think about it the background to all this even before you set up this this startup was the pandemic which is stressful for everybody uh, the move to a different island different country different home and a young child uh, who needs schooling you know uh, money, pressures, all these things in the background, what we call chronic life difficulties, were the context leading up to this episode where you then had the trigger, perhaps, which was the deadline, the self-imposed pressure of the startup um, and possibly unrealistic goals for success within a short period of time, rather than being patient with yourself you know, I used to say, uh, and it came out in my book actually, that um, when we become depressed, it's often because it's not because we've set a goal which is quite lofty and ambitious. That's okay. You can have ambition. But the standards by which you measure your progress towards achieving that goal, if you don't give yourself enough time and those standards are not realistic, then you, you are you are setting yourself up for a crash you're setting yourself up to fail well in your case you might you might be setting yourself up for a hypermanic episode which is you know as you know stress can be triggered by is triggered by stress which then followed by a crash but that sounded to me like a really plausible hypothesis about the, the journey and no hypothesis can be 100% clear which must mm. make your job very frustrating mm. Paul but it sounded exactly like what 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 happened to Ash maybe you'd like to comment back on that Ash and then we'll we'll prepare ourselves for for the next episode which um which will be uh which will be well it will be basically the the high um what do you think about Paul's hypothesis yeah i think that escalating um, series of events grouping together and then this on top, uh, I guess that gives the framework for this whole series because episode one, it was me explaining why I was about to take these next steps and they were based on that journey. That's what kind of fascinates me. It's like I've got the insight from doing this startup in COVID. I think it's a good place to put my energies and my efforts 
and you can't really argue with that. But clearly, I think money predominantly, uh, I would say, was the most significant one that's been going on for a few years in terms of having stability within myself to, to, to provide. And I think we talked about this on a previous episode, the logic that that was going to come from a startup is interesting, <laughs> but the intention... But I love this idea. I love this idea from Paul. It's almost an optimistic idea in a way that it doesn't matter about goals. It's not setting your goals high. It's being reasonable with yourself on the journey to, to, to reaching yes. those goals, which sometimes can cause problems. I think that's, um, that's a real insight. And it really seems to align up without sort of leading the witness to what you've um, experienced. I'm wondering if... Um, if we should prepare ourselves for the next one. So the next one is In the High, um, working title. Uh, And Ash, I don't know if you want to set the scene, um, but uh, this is going to be um, episode five, and we're going to be, whilst you're in the maelstrom of of that high that you describe. Yeah, I mean, I I think you'll hear it in more detail on the next episode, but the thing that's maybe most fascinating is that the audio notes kind of stopped and the clip that we're going to share next time isn't one of these audio notes. It's something I happen to have sent to someone, um, which I think captures some of that state. So, yeah, I look forward to next episode to pick that apart with you guys. Thanks so much. Final thoughts, Paul? Yeah, I think, you know, in retrospect, this episode, uh, although we've called this um, episode, uh, th- this particular episode of the season the trigger the episode of the hypermania i think in in retrospect started back in episode three and is continuing through episode four and then we might see that it's you know uh more obvious in in episode five so um i hope you'll all join us um for uh next week for the next episode yeah see you next time thanks guys all right